look at her face as well. Oh. Do you think I'm becoming desensitised then? Because I didn't react at what you thought I was going to. All right, let's just jump right into it. I mean, hello everyone. Welcome to Scaring Sam. I'm James. And I'm Sam. And we're talking about Hereditary. And I assume if you're listening, you've seen Hereditary. Otherwise, why would you want to listen in on our conversation? Maybe they just like listening to us. And spoiling films. It's not a spoil-free episode. We wouldn't have anything to talk about. We would be alluding to stuff. It'd be <laughs> stupid. This happens every time. Spoilers. We are talking about the head post scene. I saw this when I first saw this. I watched it with AK. And we didn't expect this. I did. He's driving crazy. I was like, oh, something's going to happen. Okay, well, context first. Take it a step back. <laughs> a step back. The plot is grandma dies. Family. No one has any emotions. Sorry, go on. Yeah, who's doing it? You mean. Family discover grandma's a bit kinky. She likes to be in some kind of cult. And this cult wants to summon a demon. And the family are the target. Yes, the film is directed by Ari Aster. He's acclaimed for this film, his first feature film, and then he went on to do Midsummer. Ari Aster believes all horror films are about grief. Grandma dies, family don't care, probably happy about it. Apparently she sounds like she's a piece of work. And then the youngest daughter dies. And we see the contrast and they're like, oh no, she's dead, I'm crying heavy now. Me sad. And all the film is this convoluted plot to get the demon inside of the sun. <laughs> inside of a boy. Inside of a boy. For some reason, it has to be inside of the daughter first. I don't know why. Demon stuff. <laughs> There's a demon in that cat. <laughs> yes, as Charles says in the thing, voodoo shit. <laughs> As a cat, it's not Sam. When everyone saw the trailer for this film, everyone thought, oh, it's a creepy kid in a horror film. She's up to no good. She's cutting heads off pigeons and she kind of looks like Rocky Dennis in The Mask. She looks weird. And you think, oh, she's going to turn bad. She's going to slowly become possessed by a demon and she's going to slowly pick off the family and then, you know, typical plot. And the whole trailer, for once, is misdirection. Doesn't really reveal much about the film. You think it's about her. You think it's about Charlie becoming evil. And then her head falls off. <laughs> it literally pops off. <laughs> so when Peter goes to this party, because he's trying to impress a girl. He's a teenage boy. He's got no pickup skills. So he reverts to, hey, I've got this big bag of weed. Want to smoke it with me? But, oh no, his mother, Annie, played by Tony Collette, forces him to take his little sister, Charlie, with him to this party. As we've already established at Grandma's funeral, Charlie's allergic to nuts. Yeah, so she has a chocolate bar, and then the parents are like, oh, does it have nuts in it? Well, surely you bought this chocolate bar for your child. Don't you know? Am I right? Yeah, I don't think they hand out chocolate bars at funerals, so she got it from somewhere. Yeah. Like, home. Yeah, so at this party, someone, impressively, because they're teenagers, makes a 
whole chocolate cake over the course of this party? Uh, no, no, no. They don't make the cake over the course of the party. We are introduced to the knife cutting the nuts that are going on top of the cake. Who puts nuts on a cake? Excuse me, get your hand out my mug. That's what she said. And I said hand as well. Cats have paused. Oh, give me a say. <laughs> gripping on. <laughs> right, anyway. Nuts. Nuts. Charlie eats nuts. Charlie gets <laughs> anaphylactic shock. Why am I laughing? Because you're sick now. Oh. I have broken you. But it's like... It's just obvious introduction of child can't have nuts at the beginning of the film. Oh, what's going to have nuts? Well, obviously something she eats and she's going to die. You can see we're no longer casual cinema goers now, are we? You've been analysing films too much now. Yep. For some reason, same as in the funeral, Charlie is never with her, her EpiPen or someone doesn't bring the EpiPen with her. The parents I, don't have it with them at all. They keep I, forgetting. I am so sure if your child has such an allergic reaction to something, you're going to be carrying one one round with you everywhere you go. One round with them everywhere they go. Like, <laughs> there's going to be a spare one with the neighbour. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, it's, you're going to have it covered. It's not... Like, she's just been diagnosed. She's not like, what, four or five. She's like, mm. she's 12. So this is commonplace now in the household. It's routine. I guess everyone would be carrying a spare EpiPen with them. Or it's in the car. But no, she's having an anaphylactic shock, which completely ruins Peter's night. He just went to a party to smoke weed. Maybe all she wanted to do was eat a bit of cake. Yeah, Harley. Well, you tell him. Charlie is intentionally weird. She likes making clucking noises and drawing. Well, she could have grown out of it, I guess. Not now. Peter has to drive her home and he's freaking out because he's high as a kite as well. No, isn't he driving her to the hospital? Oh, is he? Yeah. No, yeah, okay, fine. But this party seemed to be in the middle of nowhere anyway. Yeah, literally in the middle of nowhere. It's like desert. driving down a road and you see no lights whatsoever. It's as if they're driving through the Mojave Desert or something. But, of course, in the roads, there's a goat, I think. A goat sitting down, you know, the mascot of all coats. The goat. Oh, I don't remember seeing a goat. It was either a goat or coyote or roadkill. But he swerves out of the way. That's why... Uh... Yeah, Peter swerves out of the way of... I know. Whatever it was. Let's say go. Let's say go. Okay. And at the same time, Charlie can't breathe, so she sticks her head out of the window. Because, you know. <laughs> and head meets post. Safety first. Oh, yeah, I can't breathe. Just wind the window down. I don't think that's going to help either. The air's not getting into her lungs. So, oh, getting fresh air is not going to help the situation. Yeah, but why stick your head out the window? Also, I didn't realise until I watched this again that when they drive to the party, they drive past the post and then the camera actually stays on the post briefly. Oh. Setting it up. 
just like they set up the scissors at the start as well. Like, mm. oh, it's scissors. What's she going to do? She's cutting off a pigeon's oh, head. Oh, yeah. Oh, I didn't like that. But one thing, as soon as she lost her head, I was like, oh, is that because she took the pigeon's head? Head for a head. When me and AK first watched this film, we reacted. We reacted to a small child's head coming off, being hit by a post. Especially when you see it later on, covered in ants. Covered yeah. in ants. I mean, that's really disgusting. You did not react. <laughs> not in a shocked way. I think you just casually was like, oh. Yeah. I mean, let's listen to her reaction now. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. What the fuck? The head doesn't just come off like that. And we're back. <laughs> so I reacted to that and you did not. No. So am I desensitised or getting desensitised? Because also we saw the new Batman film at the weekend and I was fully expecting something to happen right at the start. Didn't jump. Noticed other people jumping around me when um, the Riddler just, you know, appeared behind one of the characters. I was fully expecting it. So I'm getting used to horror films, aren't I? Getting used to the tropes. Mm. Not good for a podcast called Scaring Sam. <laughs> Does it mean we have to watch heavier stuff? Go heavier? Does anyone have any suggestions? <laughs> Send us suggestions on Twitter and Instagram at ScaringSamPod and email at ScaringSamPod at gmail.com. Yes. 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 Because I do wonder if that email account's actually working. I get a lot of spam. Oh. No one wants to write us an essay. <laughs> yeah. A child's head is lying there in the desert. Said a child's sibling just drove off. Well, he's in so much shock. Yeah, okay, I get that. He's in shock. Fine. But he left the head. It's not so much he left the head. He left the body in the back of the car and goes to bed. I mean, I don't think he slept. Let, let's just rewind. The head comes off. He stops. He just sits there. I, I would expect that to be norm, a normal reaction. <laughs> you are shocked. That that has just happened. Like, what would you do next? Because I think I would be phoning someone. Someone else come and deal with this because I cannot. Yeah? He denies it's even happened and just continues driving. But I guess that's a reasonably long drive to get back home. So you're going to still be processing it. And eventually, yeah, you would stop, call for help. But no, he just goes to bed. Doesn't even inform his parents. Well, he has a moment, though, doesn't he, that he just stands outside the door, doesn't do anything. I guess he doesn't go to sleep. He no. just lies in bed. But he's waiting for someone to find the body and react like his mum does. We hear Annie's reaction to finding her daughter's dead body and they cut straight to the funeral and the family... Well, no, we get the, the bit in her bedroom... Before, don't we? Oh, being consoled by her husband. Yeah. Can't remember his name. And all of a sudden, 
we get a wave of emotion. And you can see the family are actually grieving, which is a stark contrast to when Grandma died. Mm. Yeah, we do grieve in different ways. Everyone grieves differently. And, of course, you will grieve differently for different people, but I think it was a bit of a shock going from emotionless to raw emotion to the extreme and it just made me sad it just felt really real I don't know like how it felt for you but it was slightly like exaggerated in places but I could feel the raw emotions like it kind of hurt to watch if you've lost someone close to you you kind of know what that pain could kind of be and it just kind of brought it to the surface like you were suffering with the mum and with Annie. Yeah the rest of the film essentially is an exploration of grief. How that conversation transpired in the morning when they found the body I mean they completely brush over that. Yeah because I don't think the conversation did happen he just completely shut off. Well, they're going to want an explanation. It's like, uh, why does my daughter have no head? I don't even understand how her head came off. Well, a wooden post is really hard, Sam. Yeah, but, James, when we see the head later on in the film, it's slightly mushed. A face hit the post. Yes, but slightly mushed. Head hits post, the neck gives way and completely tears off before the rest of the head caves in i guess so i just i've never really thought about it before you know (laughs) yeah probably not google that either oh definitely not yeah please don't google that people it's it's quite disgusting thinking about it though they went there though yeah they took a child's head off yeah and made that the focal point of the film yeah hereditary is one of those films Regarded as elevated horror. So what does that mean, though? Yeah, because I didn't even know of this term until we watched the new Scream. Apparently, elevated horrors like this, like Get Out, like The Witch, they affect the audience emotionally. They upset us instead of focusing on... Blood and gore and jump scares. There's jump scares in this film. I'm sorry to say it, but there is. And that's what Sam reacted to the most. Was the jump scares later on in the film. Motherfucker. (laughs) No. She's a cat. So elevated horror tends to focus on deep subject matter. Like grief. Like racism. Like... Parenthood. Pulling all the nasty bits out your head. Yes, pulling out <laughs> all the trauma because everyone has some degree of trauma in their life. Not just feel, but they want you to relate to the family in some way and really get to your heart. You're really stabbing the heart. <laughs> yes, they want you to feel something, or in this case, they want you to feel sad. And confused. And disgusted. (laughs) Yes, because even though elevated horror, it's above gore, 
they always revert to it in the third act. This is the issue I have with the term elevated horror. It's this bullshit elitist term. It's a way of saying all horror is good, but some horror is better than others. We're trying to make you feel something. We want it to linger in your heart and you to be traumatised on an emotional level once you leave because we're talking about in-depth subject matter that talks about world affairs. Our horror talks about <laughs> issues in society that we need to deal with and we're trying to draw your attention to that in this popular genre of film. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> You genuinely look shocked right now, but I have burped in front of you before. I thought he was going to blame the cat. No. It's a human thing. Sam's, it, Sam's a lady. Happen, doesn't happen very often, but... I'm a lady. I watch Bridgerton and Downton Abbey. I don't burp. I'm an English lady. No. I'm a human being. Full of gas. Yes. That's what they try to tell you. They're trying to tell you that in their own way, they are better than other horror films because we don't need to revert to a story about a masked killer chasing after big titted women and cutting them into pieces. We're above all that. We're smarter. In the end, they always revert back to the typical horror tropes that everyone endures. Endures? Enjoys. <laughs> Enjoys. It's really late right now, people. Our brains are mooch. <laughs> Excuse me? I could say mooch. Mooch? Mulch. Mooch. Or you could just say mush. Maybe I was trying to say both at the same time. Yeah, I think you might mulch. have been. <laughs> it's a new word. Mooch. Mulch. That's why it annoys me, because... <laughs> I keep doing it to see what you can do. <laughs> Can't help it. Because all these types of horror films, they are really draining and exhausting to watch, to get through. Whereas horror films like Halloween, Scream, they're generally more entertaining. You come out of those films feeling like you had a better time than these. I've seen this film twice now and I kind of wonder why. Yes, it does have pretty good scares. Jump scares, I might add. Because when you first hear that disembodied cluck, you jump. Sam didn't. She didn't even react to that. <laughs> when me and AK first watched this, when you first heard that disembodied cluck in the car with Annie, that was an effective jump scare. That was good. That was inventive. What did I jump at then? Everything you reacted to in the end was in the third act with Annie when she was possessed. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't like possession, though, do I? You saw her hovering in the background, like floating in the corner of the room, mm. and then she did that weird little spider crawl across oh, the wall. I don't like it when they do that. And it's inhuman. <laughs> and then you saw her again hovering over the wall, and then she disappears, and then Peter turns around, and she kind of, like, charges at him. Oh, uh, yeah, and makes that weird noise. I didn't like that. 
you reacted to that the most. And then after that, it was absolutely pure disgust. Because at this point, it's the third act. Things have gone crazy now. They've oh, given yeah, up. Yeah, it literally went from 10 to 100. Not zero, because there was a little bit before. But 10 to 100. And there was that one that one section that's in, in the front of my mind. <sighs> yeah, go, Sam. Go there. With the chicken wire or whatever kind of wire. I'll call it cheese wire. Yeah, whatever it is. Chicken wire? What is chicken? Chicken wire is the stuff you put around chicken huts, isn't it? I mean, some kind of wire. It's cheese wire. Okay. You eat enough cheese to notice. I do not use a wire with cheese. I have a cheese knife. Well, clearly, cheese wire is more effective. Well, I get chunkier slices with a knife and I like cheese anywho um, yeah she's um, sawing her head off with this wire well floating that in the air really disgusting why Whoa. the sight of it or the noise both and was it even more creepier because she's basically staring at her son while yes. doing it yes definitely oh you shitting me? Is that cheese wire? Are you shitting me? That is absolutely disgusting. Oh! Just the look on her face as well. Oh! If he didn't get possessed at the end, then he would be scarred for life. He'd definitely have to go and check himself in somewhere because he assisted in his sister dying. Why didn't he get therapy for that? I mean, yes, accident, but also absolutely traumatising. Um, sees his dad get... Well, no, he no. didn't actually see no. it. But he sees the body. He sees his dad's body burnt to a crisp. Most of the film, it's all ominous, isn't it? We know something's off, something's happening... There's all these creepy cultists watching them from afar. Naked butts There's all swaying the swaying in the breeze. There's this strange <laughs> light, which I guess is the demon. Mm. That's like having Galactus looking like a cloud. Sam doesn't know what I'm talking about. Nope. You would understand. If you read comics! So there's all this subtle supernatural stuff going on. For most of the film, it's creepy. It's oppressive. You think something is building to something. <laughs> yes, that's generally what happens, James. That's what happens in a good film, Sam. It's not anticlimactic. No, but there's sticking to your guns in terms of, oh, we're elevated horror. We don't revert to these extremes. We're going to maintain this general sense of dread throughout the film. It's going to be very artful because there's some really disturbing moments when you've got Annie declaring to her son, who's just woken up at this point and he's feeling groggy, that she never wanted him in the first place. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's the worst conversation to have with your mum the second you just woke up. And she's going on about how much you was a mistake and she did everything she possibly could to get rid of you. That's, yeah, I remember that part of it now. And 
That's just so horrible, isn't it? It's messed up. And you're reacting to it the way the, they wanted you to react. But then she wakes up. It never happened. It's kind of a cop-out. Because you get to see his real reaction and you could carry that on into the film in that direction where it's just this really messed up family who's being targeted by a cult as well. Did we need the cult in there though? I feel like the film could have carried its own without having that in there. I mean, I like the cult stuff where you see the members, like that Joan in the distance, shouting across at Peter from across the road and it's really disconcerting because, oh, there's some old person telling me to get out of my body. Yeah, and no one else can hear. Yeah, I like that subtleness. That is creepy stuff. Yeah. Because at the end, you've got these random naked cultists just in the corners of the room. Which is just creepy, though, isn't it? It's just the way that they're just there. You've got naked old people surrounding the house like this is a nudist beach outside of Margate. (laughs) It is. Every time you see nudists on TV, they're never attractive people. They look like this. Middle-aged people who have let themselves go... With massive tits. And that's just the men. (laughs) It builds up to this third act where it just completely goes apeshit. And, oh, no, what, 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 what? Oh, yeah, yeah, you've gone and used gore and violence. Extreme violence, in fact. For whatever reason, you've got Charlie's drawing book, which is not much of an artist, Sorry about that, Charlie, but you haven't got much going for you. You can't draw either. But, yeah, it's linked somehow. Somehow. Yeah. To the parents. They do this seance. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Of course. Somehow we have to get a seance in there, don't we? Yeah, you know how I feel about seances. Fucking bullshit. What I thought was funny, though, you got Joan, secret cultist, even though blatantly obvious to the audience. She tries to convince Annie that, oh, I did, I went to this one seance and it was really effective. Come back to my house and I'll show you. I mean, Jesus Christ. I mean, she goes to one seance and she's a pro because that is the most eventful seance I have ever seen by an amateur. I mean, people on Ghost Adventures would love to get those results. They said grief does funny things. I mean, Annie is already making miniatures of the actual crime scene of where her daughter died. Yeah, can we, like, just go off a little bit onto the miniatures for a second? Yeah, okay. Because what is that about? Because I originally thought, oh, she's just... She's just making these miniature things for for her job. It's actually just... It's her house... And the stuff that she is going through, she is creating these moments from her life. Yes, it actually is her job, and that's probably the most implausible part of this film, is how are you making a living making miniatures? I mean, I don't think that's particularly in-demand thing. I mean, how many people want miniatures? I find it a bit contrived that she's making a living doing this, because, of course, you need symbolism, Sam. You need symbolism. This is elevated horror. You need depth and substance so yes the miniatures i thought because she's using all these little tools and little 
microscopes and stuff to see, do all the detail that their household is under a lens. They're being observed by the cult. Mm. I thought that that's what it was. But I will hold my hand up and say when I don't know. And that's when Google comes in handy. So. Oh, he's already got his details. Apparently, the miniatures are meant to signal that the characters are like those in a doe house without agency or control over their circumstances. Okay. Okay, yeah. So I didn't really see that, but that's fine. I guess you needed that metaphor in there. Fine. It's okay. It's fine. It's nice little shots where they cut from the miniatures to the actual characters walking into the room. It's very impressive. Well done, Ariasta. Okay, fine. I mean, there's a, there's other things in the film, though, that are subtle. It's like Charlie... Like, you always know there's something weird about Charlie. She has no head. No, I mean before that. Well, she's cutting ahead of a pigeon, Seb. But yeah, she's just, she's off. Like, there's something not right about her. And then you have Annie. At some point, she's talking about how her mum wanted... Oh, what's the boy's name? Peter. Yeah. Um, her mum wanted Peter, but she didn't allow him to have him. Um, well, allow take, her to have yeah, him. Take care of him. Yeah. But when she then had Charlie, she allowed her to have Charlie. But her grandmother, Charlie's grandmother, wanted Charlie to be a boy. Was Charlie really Charlie? Had the grandmother done something to Charlie because she looked after her as a baby? Yeah, this is what I was confused about because at the end, Peter is possessed by Payman or King Payman, one of the eighth lords of hell, whatever his name is. But he's also possessed by Charlie as well. I, I might add that apparently people really do worship King Payman. Okay. So, what is he? Is he like... Not... Yeah, he's not just invented for this film. So he's like Beelzebub, um, the um, King of Flies, whatever he's name, Lord of Flies. Yeah, he goes back centuries, actually. Well, you can't constantly have the devil possessing people in films. I mean, I think he's quite busy. And I think it's quite egotistical to think that you are possessed by the devil and not some minor demon. Mm. I guess the grandmother put payment inside Charlie and that's why she was acting weird that's that's why I, I was like a bit confused at the end like what who was Charlie <laughs> I think the ritual is you need to put payment inside a woman first and then from there it can possess a man but wasn't there something about Annie's brother, brother? yeah when she's at the grief counselling she said her brother, Annie's brother, hung himself, accusing his mother of putting someone inside of him. Hmm. So I guess... But I think if you read the text, it says, like the ritual, it has to... to payment has to go inside some... the woman first. Right. So maybe that's why Annie used to sleepwalk as well, because payment went inside her first and then transferred to her brother... But, and then he hung himself, so it didn't. The prophecy wasn't fulfilled, was I? Ah, 
But then yeah, again, that makes sense, but doesn't it? There's a lot of decapitations as well. Like they're intentionally losing their heads. Like it, that's the only way to yeah. transfer the demon in somebody else's body because yeah, Annie is the then end, yeah, possessed. She's possessed by both Payman and Charlie as well at the same time. That's why it's confusing. So there's the demon and there's Charlie inside the body of Peter at the end. Mm. Whatever. But it's a happy ending though. Just for the wrong people. Just like Midsummer. Oh, the grandmother loses her head as well, doesn't she? Yeah, these cultists love candles, nudity and decapitation. Hmm. There was like weird writing as well, do you remember? I remember I wrote some bits down. Again, it's that you know it's leading to something. It's that yeah, but dread. I, but I was expecting there to be like a flashback to these words that were on the walls to kind of summarise why we're looking at these writing, the writing on the wall. And that's just world building, isn't it? Yeah, but apparently, so I did I did look them up. So you had Satoni, um, which apparently is a word used in necromancy. Oh, great. You seen Evil Dead, right? You know you don't recite these words out loud. Yeah, not wise. It's fine, you can say one word. Just don't okay. recite the entire incantation. Okay. <laughs> Everybody loves a cliche. Were there any cliches that you noticed? Because I did not notice any. Like, I haven't. There's nothing. I've nothing written down about cliches here. We said it out loud. Oh, did I? Yeah. Once again, they like to walk around in their house in the dark. Oh, how did I forget that? Yes. People forgetting to turn on lights. But there's actually two, I want to say there's two new cliches which we've never brought up before, but I see it all the time. See it all the time. Okay, enlighten me, please. Oh, I will enlighten you, darling. You've got... Suicidal birds. Yes, okay. You understand what I mean? Yes. They're in a scene, usually a classroom or an office, and some random bird just randomly flies into the window. Bang! Oh, cheap jump scare. Didn't get me. Nope, because we've seen it so many times. <laughs> How smart are you now, elevated horror? Ha 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 ha! Okay, and the second? The second. The second one... I like to call the sceptical partner. The sceptical partner. Always, almost exclusively, a man. A husband. Oh, because they like to question everything and think they're right. Yes, well, mostly is a husband or just, I know, long-term boyfriend. I don't know. Someone who has clearly been in a relationship with this woman... For a number of years, so once you know each other for a number of years, you kind of know them. Yes, you know their quirks, you know their habits, you know what triggers them. And yet, in the course of this film, they start to act a little bit erratic because of all the paranormal stuff going on. But of course, their long-time male partner does not believe them. They think they're losing their marbles. It's a cliche that has been coming more and more frequent over the preceding years. 
and it's really irritating. But isn't that because it's quite likely that you will be losing your marbles if you've just seen your daughter's headless body in your car? Yes, but that's in the context of this film. Fine. For example, this film. The husband is the only one who knows that grandma has been dug up. He's keeping that from his wife. He's the only one who knows it. And then yeah. she finds her body in the attic. And, and then he's like going, oh, you crazy bitch. You're the one who dug her up. You're the only one who knew about it. And yet you're the one who thinks. Yeah, because he didn't just jump to conclusions and go, oh, well, it's got to be you without any evidence. Now there's some evidence. <laughs> yeah, yeah, OK, fine. But in other films which aren't as well written, you always got this partner who is disbelieving of their wife or long-time girlfriend. And like I'm saying, I'm emphasising the fact they've been in a long-term relationship. It's not like they've been dating for six months and they're starting to show their true colours. They've been in their lives for a number of years. So you think they would be far more supportive try to be sympathetic, but instantly they're accusing them of everything that's happening in the course of this film. You won't even consider that, yes, there might actually be something supernatural happening. Your instant go-to is, oh, fuck, they're crazy. I'm going to pack my bags, take my children and leave. Due to their disbelief, they pay the price with death. That's a new cliche. I see it all the time. And now you will see it all the time. And now you'll become even more desensitised. I guess we've got to get harder in terms of the scares. We've got to go hardcore. It's like, it's like I don't know, somebody who watches a lot of porn and they get more and more desensitised and they have to start watching more hardcore stuff. I'm not speaking from experience, but it happens. Okay. You go from watching Missionary and then you start looking at feet. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, Still don't understand that. Don't understand foot fish. What? You don't like my, my feet? Not in a sexual way. Oh. Me neither. What is with it's feet? Weird looking. I don't understand feet. It's the least attractive part of a person's body. Why are people into feet? So my elbow's more attractive than my feet? Oh, it's a debate. <laughs> we want your opinions, people. What's more attractive, feet or elbows? <laughs> Okay, swiftly moving how you, on. How did you get on foot pitch? Let's go to Rotten Tomatoes. We've got an 89% tomato meter. Is it fresh? It is fresh. Yes, of course it is. Here's something you will notice on Rotten Tomatoes. If you put in like the top 100 horror films, the majority of them who are certified fresh have come out in the space of the last few years. In terms of like what, over a hundred years of horror films? It's the hundredth anniversary of Nosferatu this year. And yet, on Rotten Tomatoes, the majority of the certified fresh films that are in the top ten have come out in the last few years. The only reason is because the older the film, the more reviews it's gotten, so therefore it's going to affect its rating. Yeah, so it's going to... yeah. Um, it's got a 68% audience score. Interesting, so, because I keep saying it, God knows how many times I've said it in this episode, but I suspect critics give elevated horror films a higher rating than the audience do. Maybe. 
I wouldn't watch this one again. That's not because I didn't like it. I mean, it's weird. It's a bit fucked up. But it's just the way that it made me feel. It's exhausting. Yeah. You are drained watching this film. Unless I'm wanting to get that kind of feeling out. (laughs) Then sure, yeah, I'd watch it again. I would recommend for people to watch it, though. And not just horror fans. Just just watch it once. But yeah, just just once is probably enough. I guess if you want a study of grief in film, watch Hereditary. And Midsummer. I would rather watch... Halloween or Scream Again. At least I feel entertained afterwards. Mm. I can detach myself from it. Okay, that's it. That's hereditary. What did you think, everyone? Did you like it? Let us know. Maybe we'll read your comment out in the next episode. And if you have any suggestions for us on what to watch next, please let us know. Oh, uh, and doing a shout out. Yes, on Twitter... The Bad Movie Code podcast suggested we watch Wreck, the Spanish found footage horror film. We haven't done a foreign film yet. Okay. And it's supposed to be very scary. Yeah, but what kind of found footage? Are we talking about, like, Blair Witch kind of thing? Like, what are we talking about? You going to do another comparison? No, because that's the only found footage one I can remember. Have we watched any other found footage? We watched Host and Paranormal Activity. Oh, yeah, sure. And you reacted more Let's to that. No, you didn't. Yes, you reacted more to Blair um, Witch. Rewind. You reacted to all those films. You um, don't like. Yeah. You, you don't like found footage, so obviously it's going to be effective. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> On that note, you've been listening to Scaring Sam. I've been Sam. I've been James. And I apologise for my blocked nose if it does sound like that, James. Well, it makes up for you making me sound like a robot in our 50th episode. Oh, moany, moany. Sound engineer over here doesn't <coughs> notice the issue with the sound until afterwards. No, I did point out. I was like, this sounds weird. Yeah, let's keep recording. Didn't do anything about yeah, it. Yeah, I don't give a <laughs> shit. Anywho. You know what you can do, people? If you like this podcast, you can actually just go on Spotify and just give us a five-star review just click on where it says like the star and just put a five-star review it says rate it and just do it just a little click you just go click click and you're done it's great we really appreciate it give us a follow give us a follow can you follow on spotify you can't yes. yeah yeah do that as well we love you we do that for you and that means we get like the most attention and we can do more stuff Ooh. Ooh, shiny shiny shiny, shiny rate us we love you forever Stay safe. Stay safe out there.